In episode 551 with actress Isabel Lucas, we are talking all about overcoming fear and anxiety, mindset hacks, healthy boundaries, nervous system regulation tools, health and wellness, self-care practices, plus so much more. If you love Isabel as much as I do, you are going to love this conversation. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl, Open Wide, Comparisonitis, and Time Magic. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? Hey, beautiful, and welcome back to the show. I'm so excited about this episode because I adore Isabel. Like many other people, I was first introduced to her on Home and Away, one of the biggest shows in Australia, and I was instantly drawn to her beautiful energy. We now have so many mutual friends, and she is such a honey And for those of you that have never heard of her, she is one of Australia's biggest actresses. Now, she is a film and television actress, and she was discovered by an agent at a craft market, which you'll hear that story in the episode. It's just such a beautiful story. Now, she has gained a lot of fame in, of course, Australia and also Hollywood. She has earned so many different awards, including the Female Star of Tomorrow at the Young Hollywood Awards in LA, and that was in 2011. Now, she has worked on Transformers, Revenge of the Fallen, and Night of Cups alongside Christian Bale. How amazing is that? A couple of other things that I absolutely love about her is she is actively supporting animal rights and environmental causes and serves as an ambassador for Melbourne's Human Rights and Arts Film Festival. And she is also known for her holistic ethical interests representing sustainable fashion and cosmetic companies. She is a little honey. You guys are going to adore her. And for everything that we mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes and that's over at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 551. Now let's bring on this goddess, Isabel Lucas. Beautiful Isabel, welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you here. But before we dive in, can you tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? Okay. Oh, well, thank you for having me. And what I had for breakfast was some kimchi, avocado. I didn't have bread this morning, so I had two eggs. Instead, I usually have avocado with bread, spinach, and was lightly sauteed spinach with one other thing, just tomato. Yeah. What did you have? I had a smoothie bowl, which I'm absolutely loving. As you know, it's summer here in Australia. So I blend it so it's not freezing cold because in Ayurveda and Chinese medicine, they do not like cold things. So like I blend it so it's like room temperature and I love it. Yes. I think we're both slightly more vata in the Ayurvedic principles. So I also am not so good with cold. So yes. Yeah, it was delicious. And my daughter, she always wants some of mine. So I have to make a bit extra. So she has some. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Cool. Bambi, right? Bambi, yes. Yeah, it's a beautiful name. Oh, thank you. Yeah, she's a little angel. She's such an angel. Just like you, my love. Now, I 
first ever discovered you, like many people on Home and Away, you were on Home and Away for many years. And I watched that show as a child. And I remember you coming onto the scene and being blown away by your ethereal beauty and your presence and your essence. And you had such a beautiful essence. And now getting to experience that essence in real life is so beautiful. And it's exactly what I felt initially when I first ever discovered you, when you came across my TV screen all those years ago. How old were you when you first started? You're such a sweetheart. You give so many beautiful compliments. I was playing 15, but I was actually 19. Yeah, 19 and a half. So I was playing a lot younger and I always have. But yeah, thank you so much for your beautiful acknowledgements. That's really sweet. I'm like smiling over here and I'm like kind of choking on my words. It's really sweet of you. Thank you, Dan. Oh, it's true. And as we've spoken about before offline, I actually had a little tiny role on Home and Away where I was playing this badass. Bit of a rebel. Yeah, it was a rebel surfer chick. Yeah. And it was very interesting. And I remember, you know, always wanting to be on Home and Away and getting this little role and being in this trailer by myself and feeling totally empty and like, wow, I had looked forward and been excited about this moment for so many years and then felt this like punch in the guts and loneliness, like this deep loneliness. And that was a really interesting experience for me. And then soon after that is when I hit rock bottom, I ended up in hospital and I changed my whole life and I stopped acting and dancing and TV presenting and modeling, which was what I was doing. And then I got on this holistic spiritual path and went on and studied holistic health coaching and life coaching, yoga teacher training and meditation teacher training and energy healing and all those things. But it was quite a pivotal moment for me, that moment in the trailer where I was looking around at the staff and felt very empty. So I'm curious, babe, what initially drew you to acting and how has your perspective of your craft changed over the years as you've grown and evolved? Well, what initially drew me to acting was a mango tree. I was sitting under a mango tree and that's where I met my acting agent and I didn't know what an acting agent was. I was in high school and I just started doing drama. I was, I think I was 17 and yeah, that was literally the beginning of even considering this as a pathway, as a journey to explore acting. So I met her and I actually really liked her. I was exploring the Port Douglas markets and exploring for crystals. Mum and dad were walking around and I was waiting for them under this tree after I, you know, I checked everything out and then she was sitting there as well and we just started chatting and she explained that they have a theatrical agency based in Sydney and that she represents actors. And I was like, oh, that's how actors get work. <laughs> and then she asked if I'd like to have lunch with her the next day. And we all met as a, my family and I met with her and intuitively I really connected with her. I really liked her. And I thought, well, this is a doorway. I'm going to walk through. It's an opportunity and an opening into something I never would have considered doing. 
really genuinely wouldn't have, con- I was too shy. I really was always really introverted. And I thought that as an actor, you needed to be extrovert and you need to be able to be the center of attention and be able to talk about yourself <laughs> and, you know, all those things that, oh, you know, cliches. But, you know, in hindsight, I realize a lot of my favorite actors now are actually all really introverted and it's not that way at all. And to be an artist, you don't have to be extroverted at all. And you can be both because we represent humans and humans are both. So, yeah, as long as you have the willingness and the capacity to express diversity. But that was really the beginning. And I want to circle back to what you said that introduced this question, the loneliness. As soon as you said that, I was like, oh, my goodness, that's my life all the time, over and over. Just because, you know, a wonderful opportunities come my way and I've had these incredible roles that I've had the opportunity to play. And I've gotten to meet really beautiful people, magnificent artists, very generous crews and all all kinds of amazing people. It doesn't mean that within that fabric, the loneliness doesn't cut really deep. It's a really interesting topic because I found it's not something that goes away. And I welcome it now because I'm like, there's nothing else to do. I welcome it in and I find tools that help me back myself so that in that loneliness I can still show up and give my best in service of the character and the story and then the joy comes just does and but yeah the it's like there's a threshold every time where there's this loneliness and also an anxiety like extreme anxiety and it's not just me I remember I'm unpacking it a bit because you brought it up but I remembered working with John Hurt who in my opinion, is one of like the greatest artists of our time. And he passed away recently, but he was playing a father figure in a film called Immortals. And he's like a very amazing theatre British actor who has all this notoriety and he's a very respected, accomplished actor. And I asked him, do you ever get nervous still? (laughs) And he said, Isabel, every time I think this is the one this is the one where they're going to see I'm a fraud. And yeah, I just, I had tears in my eyes and I was like, no, like it doesn't go away. It, the doubt, the feeling of like, I'm not good enough. I'm never going to be able to fill these shoes for this role or I should have got someone else or that comparison brain or all of those like horrible hijack beliefs just come. And I, so I've just been like, okay, come along, just come along for the ride, but you're not in the driver's seat of this bus. You can be on the bus, but you're in the back. And, you know, you have that has been a really amazing growth opportunity to challenge those thought forms that come in. Babe, I am so glad that you brought this up because in this social media celebrity world, it's very easy for us to look at people like, these incredible actors like yourself, like anyone on social media, and think that they don't have anxiety or fears or they are just extroverted. Like you said, like you are very introverted and some of the best artists that you've come across are shy and introverted. And what I'm hearing is in spite of the shyness, in spite of the fear, you keep showing up. And this is so 
important for every area of our life, for our business, for our personal life, no matter what. Like there are times on social media where I still feel vulnerable. I still feel scared. I still have that fear. How is this going to be received? I'm putting my heart out there. I do these interviews where I share very openly. How is it going to be received? But this is the thing, and this is what I think makes people get to their goals and quote-unquote successful is in spite of the fear, we keep moving forward. We need to allow the internal voice of truth and wisdom and love to be just 1% louder than the fear. If it's just 1% louder, you can move forward. But if the fear is louder, you're going to be paralyzed. So turn up that volume, just 1% on that innate wisdom, that love, and keep moving forward. And then the fear is not going to block you because like you said, it's always going to be there. Yeah. It's like a garden. There's always going to be weeds or, you know, I mean, there's a lot of my friends who are gardeners or avid regenerative farming people who are all like, oh, there's no such thing as weeds. But I'm just using that term. Weeds are always going to be there. Those thoughts are always going to be there. And why not work in a field where they're coming up all the time? Because then your growth and your expansions on a faster dial, or you, you just need to catch up. You need to stay on. Like you can't, it's, you're right, Mel, because if your truth voice, which is actually the most, it's, it's like a whisper. It's so sure and it's so absolute that it's not raising its voice. It's not trying to be dominant. It's not in that competitive setting. So it's about getting out of the way so that everything can just be tuned to that. And I think it is also tuned to source connection directly into that mainframe of source connection or whatever word you use for that, nature's intelligence, God, pure love. And yeah, everything gets in the way and it doesn't ever not. It's never like I'm suddenly on set and I'm like, oh, I feel so confident today. Or even doing a post, like probably 80% of the time I ever do a post, I'm like, oh, why am I doing this? And then I'll be really clear. I'll just get clearer and clearer of like, well, I'm doing this because whatever it is, it'll give other people permission to do, you know, to be vulnerable or it'll be, you know, and sometimes it's okay to do like a post that's just about something kind of light or really visually pleasing. Like that's okay. That's fine. But it can be a teacher as well. Instagram can also be a teacher of like getting us to be conscious about what we're putting out and where we're resting in ourselves when we're putting that out. And yeah, I just want to acknowledge you because that is so much of what your work is. It's just over and over like that is what you are giving this platform, giving this invitation to people all the time. Sure, it's expansion and improving yourself and all of that as well. But a lot of it is about just be you, be your, your signature frequency, and that's enough. Absolutely. Absolutely. You mentioned before, Han, that you have some tools that do support you in those moments of wobbliness. Can you share some of your tools with us? Oh, okay. Okay. There's just so many moments of wobbliness. Okay. Let's see. It depends what moment it's for. Is it for being on set? Well, just if fear comes up, if anxiety comes up, if comparison comes up, any of those, like how do you recenter? Comparison is kryptonite. It's such a killer to creativity, to 
having happiness, being at peace with yourself. I guess it's the awareness of your beliefs and the awareness that a belief is just a thought you've continued to think, which means it's okay. You can unpick that thought. You can change that thought. Writing them down. I had a shoot the other day and I, for some reason, was really attacked with feeling so inadequate, feeling so not good enough, feeling like literally like it, it's nearly like you've done nothing in your life. Like it's that feeling of like, who am I? <laughs> Fraud, like what John Hurt was saying. So I'm clocking it. I'm just being aware of it, clocking that moment. And there's all different kinds of things. In that moment, I wrote it down. I welcomed everything in and I pretended that we were on a boat or on a bus or something. And I was like, I welcomed it in lovingly as if love was the voice that was speaking. So I wrote it down. I was like, oh, not good enough. Hello, welcome, come in. And, and then I'd wrote the next one of like, oh, you're not poetic. You don't have anything poetic to say. Or like that little voice. I'm like, yeah, you can come in too. Just like, you're here, you're here, come take a seat. And I just kept going. And then something happened. And this frenetic energy in my body shifted. And I just felt a little bit more weighted in a good way, like earthed. And I was like, oh, I can suddenly feel my feet. I'm no longer in sympathetic nervous system. I'm in parasympathetic. I'm not in fight or, you know, flight or fright, run, whatever it is. And it's that feeling of like, okay, I can be here now. And like, I know that there's a lot of people who probably listen to you who are empaths because I feel like your nature is very empathic. You're highly sensitive, very attuned like quick with your intuition and instincts person. And I feel like you would attract a lot of that too, which means, you know, I'm at home because I feel like, you know, this is, I've often felt really out of place. And this has been such a huge journey for me to come to this peace within myself that it's okay. It's okay to be really sensitive, to have a really highly attuned nervous system that picks up a lot of things. And so through my work or through my field of work, I've been challenged with that a lot. And another practice will be screening things out and going, is this my, is this my headache right now? Is this my fear that I'm feeling in my racing heart right now? And then I'll be like, oh my God, it's not actually mine. It's theirs. They're nervous to do this kissing scene with me or whatever. And then I'll be like, how do I feel about it? You know, check in. I'm like, oh, I'm actually looking forward to it. I'm into this scene because I want to give myself to this character and go with this. And like, I believe in the gifts of what the story has to say or, and it's really interesting. It's like an untangling of like, what's mine? What's yours? And no one taught me this. No, no one taught me this until I started seeing kinesiologists and started realizing that I literally, I feel like energetically as if it's tangible, what people are feeling in their bodies in my own. And that's okay. It's just a different nervous system. It's a different body setup. There's rhinos and there's butterflies. There is different body setups. And we need to become acquainted with regulating our own body setup. And it can be very supportive. So yeah, there's so many practices, so many. But that's just one that I used the other day. Thank you for sharing that. I love that. That's something that I definitely do. And I have to catch myself and go, whoa, okay, whoa, is this mine? And I literally have an internal conversation with myself. Hang on a second. This is not mine. This is not mine. And this is what's going on in my head. This is not mine. And then when I recognize that it's not mine, I put a little bubble, protection bubble around myself. 
But there's times where I'm like, is this mine? I don't know if it's mine. Maybe it is mine. But what helps me in that moment is like stepping back from my physical body, like literally stepping back or going above and looking down at the situation and looking down at my body and whoever I'm interacting with and asking myself, what is going on here? And looking for the energy because energy, we can actually feel. We all know we can feel energy, but you can also see energy too. And so I'll look down and I'll like feel the energy and I can feel if this is my energy or if this is their energy. And I just have this little conversation with myself. And then I'm able to put a little bubble around myself and move forward. But sometimes I walk away from an interaction I feel completely depleted. I feel anxious or fearful. And then that's when I realize like I've taken on their fear and I've taken it on. And then it's our responsibility to kind of go and wash that off spiritually, however we do that. I love like just like shaking things out. Like I literally just like shake my body, get it off. Like that helps me so much or like diving in the ocean or but, you know, sometimes the ocean's not right there. You can just shake it off, like literally flick it off. Or dance, have a little dance, dance it out. There are PEM practices that I use. So that's an acting technique, Perdicamp emotional method. And that one's been amazing for me. But also I can go into that more later, but there's a, I do the same thing with my character. So at the end of, there was this one role that I played and she was, she was a real stretch for me to access initially and because she was so different from me I'm doing this like overlapping signal with my hands you know how like some people are like you overlap on a lot of things and so you're you share a lot whereas she was like a whole nother circle away I had to find what do I relate to in myself that I can magnify into to access her so it was awesome I loved playing her actually but I couldn't fall asleep I was so activated and so frenetic and nervous in my body. And so like, it was a very out there reality that I was putting myself in for her. And we were on another planet. It was set in the future. And, you know, she's tatted up. She's like this really intense chick. Like she's really full on. And I felt like nothing was working. I was like, I'm taking herbs to help me sleep. And, and I'm like, I have to be on. I, I can't not sleep. So I did this visualization, which was recommended to me by a friend where I would close my eyes and after I've taken my character clothes off and switched back into my own clothes, I would visualize taking my character by the hand. Sometimes I would put a pebble in my shorts or my outfit and symbolize this pebble is for her. This is for my character. And at the end of the day, I'm going to take the pebble out and put it, take it off. Like it's no longer, she's not with me. But another thing I would do is get, take her hand. And lead her into this safe, beautiful dome space, like a big golden dome in the sky or anywhere that I visualize. And I'll put her in there and I'll be like, what do you need? You, you know, she's got a bed. She's got these things. She's got uh, food there. She's got everything she needs. And I'll tell her I'm coming back tomorrow. And it was literally like speaking to an aspect. And sometimes I'd get feedback. Like I'd be like, she'd say something like I need a swimming pool. Really random. In my imagination, I'd be like, well, that's so neat. Why would I even say that? But then I realized, oh, there's no water on this planet. Like the next day, I was like, oh, wow, that makes sense. It was just weird, random things start coming up from your unconscious. So I was like, I don't want her in my unconscious tonight. I want her in this golden dome. 
And it was like a night switch. Like I literally would fall asleep after I started doing that. So I've kept doing that practice. It's a really interesting one. And it's just like a conscious unhooking in your subconscious mind of going back to your own nervous system, going back to listening to you and not needing to hook your heart into another, you know, aspect or another entity that you want to bring to life. It all starts sounding very shamanistic, but for me, that really helps support me. Beautiful, beautiful. Because we've got to take care of our nervous systems. I feel like we have an epidemic of fried nervous systems because of social media, because of comparison, because of this go, go, go fast paced life that we all live these days. And I feel like now more than ever, if you're not taking care of your nervous system, you are going to burn yourself out. Yeah, no matter what field you're in. I agree. Yeah, I agree. When I was a little girl, I had my mom used to do this thing with me where we'd use our imagination again and we'd it's like visualize a going down a beautiful pathway to a garden. And I always did we did this a lot together because I found it really helpful. And I think I also just love the imaginative aspect of it. And basically you go down this garden path and you come to a beautiful, beautiful gate and you open this gate and it's your gate. You get to go through and you go through to your worry tree. And it's like, it can be mystical. It can be really magical, like in the land of Narnia. It could be golden tree. It could be however you see it. And this tree is there to help you. And you, as a little girl, I would imagine mum would say, now put one of your worries onto the tree. And whether I said it out loud or not, didn't matter. And I could sort of write it out in my mind and then just like tie it onto the tree and gives it, like really give it to the tree to take over. And I don't always do that anymore. It's not like a constant thing, but I feel like we carry so much. We carry so much in our energetic bodies and in our, you know, there's the, all the four bodies, the energy body, the mental body, physical body, and the emotional body. And to just use visualization as a practice of support, because you're right, there is so much pressure, and especially in the last few years, with the isolation people were experiencing and for many forced isolation and, you know, the self-isolating and the amount of depression that, that people faced and went through. And I do feel like there was some kind of, you know, it's meant to be in some way because we, so many people went inward. They really went in and were like, what are my tools? And like flailing, flailing around because they hadn't experienced the extreme pressures that they may have been feeling, experiencing. So we started to all look for those tools. And people like you have been sharing these tools for a long time. And people like me have been using these tools because we're like flailing around without them. But yeah, I wish that children knew about that practice and could imagine their worry tree and transforming their biggest worries. Because I also had a solution thing where the next morning I'd write my solutions down or later that day I'd write my worry down and then write my solution for it. And sometimes it's really simple. That's so beautiful and so sweet that your mum did that. What age were you when you were doing that? Yeah, it was probably like five, six, seven, eight. Yeah. And then probably when I was like in Kakadu, nine and 10, I didn't have a lot of worries. I was just like nature bush kid running around with my best friend who was Big Bill Nigi, the Aboriginal elder, his granddaughter. And I was just like, 
I don't know. I just didn't, I didn't have a lot of worries. And then again, when I was a year, like four, I got some bullying and like, yeah, I guess I was using it again then. How cute is that? It's so good. It's so important. It's so sweet. I know lots of the mamas listening to this will start using that. It's such a beautiful thing. And when my daughter gets a bit older, she's still only two and a half. So when she gets a bit older, I'm definitely going to do that. That is such a beautiful thing to do. And it's our role to teach our little people how to regulate their emotions. Like we're not taught this. That's why there's so many unregulated human beings, adults walking around because we were never taught this because our parents didn't know. Our parents had no idea themselves. And so we have to learn these tools now as adults and teach them to our children because they are going to need them, especially in the technology space that they are growing up in. Yeah, I also feel like the it's really true that for women and for girls, listening to your cycles is also a really great way to regulate. Because if you're running on empty and you're coming into your first days of bleeding again, and you're not listening to the need to slow down, and it's not always about thinking of it as a winter and going within, it can also just be have some time to slow down. I do like seeing it as the cycles, as, you know, the four seasons. And then like after winter, you start coming into spring and that's the time to start being creative or having your, making your intentions for the week or the month ahead. And then, you know, continuing summer is when you really bloom. And obviously autumn is when you're sort of taking stock again and reflecting. But yeah, listening to those cycles and allowing yourself to have that gentle descent into your soft body and in, into that menstruation time and treating it as sacred and deeply a part of the nature's cycles as well. And men, I think men have these cycles too, and they might just be a different discernment or type of listening, you know, to the seasons that unfold. So, yeah, for us as humans. Absolutely. Absolutely. They have it too. And I definitely love for myself visualizing it as the summer, autumn, winter, and spring. And it's just such a beautiful visualization. So I love that. I want to talk to you about boundaries and other mindset things that you do to kind of really stay in your center, especially like, you know, when it comes to the industry that you're in, like setting some healthy boundaries is really important. Yeah. Yeah, so I was living in Hollywood for about nine years and it's a place of great contrasts. And while I do certainly believe that wherever you go, that there can be, you'll always find your people and your crevasse, your little crew, your people. But I found there was a lot of contrast in LA and Hollywood around ego validation or needing to fulfill ambitions and always proving, 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 proving. And it's like a bottomless pit of nothing will actually ever be enough when you're really operating only from there. And I went down that path as well. And that is how I learned about my boundaries was realizing that there, there's societal expectations of what we think we want to become. There's so many, there's so, so many. And then there's, there's a point where you have to become clear about Really, your own desires, your own heart desires and your own like spiritual path. Like, what are you really here for? What are you about? And I think, yeah, that path, that journey was really like a little university degree for me living in Hollywood and being in 
exposed to all these really different, very contrasting situations, whether it's like Golden Globe after parties or going to very wealthy, well-known celebrity people's houses for, for dinners or parties. or And after a time, it wasn't like I wasn't grateful for the experiences, but I realized that when I was resting in that part of myself, that was about achieving for the sake of validation or, yeah, just thinking, you know, what are people thinking about me or trying to impress. Well, saying there's anything wrong with impressing because it can be wonderful and be inspiring to be impressed by someone. But when you're only in that place, it really helped me discern this is my ego. This isn't actually my true essence, my signature essence, my heart. And so then I'd start to play with what's the difference? Like, when can I tell the difference of which one's operating? And also not judging people for operating in their ego because it's perfect. It's where they're meant to be, obviously. Otherwise, they wouldn't be there. They wouldn't be testing that edge. And usually, often the best, the, oh, there's this great quote. I wrote it down. Now I won't be able to find it. But there's this great quote about, we become wise not by trying to be wise, but by having so many experiences that really challenge and test us. and that we regret, that we, you know, and then come to see what the meaning was or what we could have done or should have done. And so, yeah, like being a bit more, like dropping your judgments on, I had to become really, I say, ruthlessly forgiving around people who who I was like, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing that? Or like, that's so empty. That's so vacuous to say that or to do that. And, you know, there's such extremes. And I'm really talking about the most extreme kind of, places of what pe- people were operating. And I think I could just start to get to a place where it wasn't so much because there were so many practices that you can do to like screen things out or to, you know, give people's energy back. And I've done so many practices like this. But at the end of the day, I realized the best way to energetically protect myself was really to just be fully present and to play with how long can I stay in my body? Because I would flee my body and I'd jump out and I'd be there at the event or be there talking to this person, but I'm not actually really connecting with them because I feel inauthentic or I feel like whatever. So so I'd be like, how long can I feel my body? How long can I really be feeling this and feel the discomfort? Or how long will it take me to really engage this person into like really deep, like proper conversation where we're not doing small talk? And where we can both get some nourishment from this. And I'd really make it fun, like an, a challenge of how quick can I be to get this situation to get really real? <laughs> and yeah, like all of that is playing with boundaries because you're not taking on someone else's energy necessarily, but you are enough because I take it on naturally anyway. You are enough to be able to engage and have, you know, fun conversations or whatever. But yeah. Boundaries are such a big topic also with acting because you're jumping to a place of trust with people all the time, all the time. I was talking to Jake Gyllenhaal about this. He's like, you have to do a sex scene with someone that you've met a week ago that you've had coffee with once. And you have to, like that, obviously, ordinarily, you would take months and months, some people years to get to that place of trust where your bodies can speak. And in that capacity or that depth of intimacy. So with acting, that question just is sort of on steroids. It's like, wow, there's so much around boundaries. And then really getting clear of if I'm doing this, why am I doing it? Is it for my own growth and experience? Is it for 
this sentiment, this story, I believe so much in this story that I really want to share this, that I'm going to cultivate the willingness despite all the resistance that comes up. And yeah, it really brings those questions up to the surface over and over. Like that question, the topic we we're talking about before about loneliness, like brings it up over. And oh, a trick that I always find really helpful over time, like affirmations, sure, they're great. But in the moment when you know, might not always, you might not always think of them, or if you do think of them, maybe they're not the right thing in that moment. I think that really helps for me is breath, deepening my breath. Again, that's taking me back to my body and remembering there's nothing to prove and listening, literally listening, because everyone loves to be listened to or feel heard. And then if I can feel someone else relaxing because they're feeling heard and listened to, then I'll relax. And then the last thing, feeling my feet. Like just going, oh, I've got the earth under me. Feeling my feet, I'm just here. And all these things are just like really help with the energetic sense of boundaries. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Such a big topic and such an important topic. So another thing that I absolutely love about you and feel so deeply connected to you about is your love and passion for health and wellness and living a toxic-free life and regeneration and self-care and plant-based living and all of those things. You know, we share a lot of commonalities on those things. So I'd love to hear how you got into your journey into health and wellness and how that started for you. Yeah, I do certainly align that we have many core values that we see eye to eye on. And I love that. I'm so grateful for that. And I guess with my journey, I think about my dad, I think about my mom and dad and their values and how they were values that I really resonated with. So a lot of it for me with health and wellness and using products that are aligned with nature's principles and all, the, all these things, a lot of it was around common sense. And my dad has a lot of common sense. And he used to be a farmer. He used to be a biodynamic farmer. And then he became a pilot. And so he's had a lot of different experiences in his life, but he's always been very connected to nature. And like when we, my sister and I would go on these long drives with our family, we'd, because we lived in Kakadu National Park for a long time. And we also lived in Switzerland and Cairns and Melbourne, Sydney, all around. We moved around a lot, but we'd go on these long drives and mum and dad would like, do these quizzes with us because we're sitting in the back and we're like these kids and they do quizzes with us about like, especially dad, where he'd ask us all the different names of the trees around us. So like, what kind of gum tree is that as well? And then, you know, like he knows so much about reptiles and the seasons and he knows, you know, we always had a vegetable garden and to, saying it was organic or GMO free was like, you don't even say that because it's so obviously just organic it's a and it's you know rich in all the minerals from the earth and the soil which is the land that you're living which has some kind of significance I really love that too eating from where you actually live but yeah we always had this veggie garden and we just we lived very much in alignment with nature's principles and we were living in parts of the world which were just so beautiful whether it was going to the barrier reef like nearly every fortnight or going, you know, out to Ubia escarpments in Kakadu National Park or 
on land and going to these amazing places where nature was so alive and so absolute, so clearly in charge and charge also vibration, like it was vibrating, it's alive, it had this frequency and aliveness to it and I felt so introduced, I felt at one with it, I felt like I was very early on connected and a part of nature. You know, when I was living in LA in in the middle of this big city and also living in Melbourne and I love Melbourne and I, I like, I do love cities and I love the, and appreciate the diversity and the, all the things they contribute and but I feel a little bit sad sometimes in, the, in feeling the cutoff and the lack of introduction people have to nature through being only living in cities. And maybe it comes later in their life, and that's beautiful too. Like Sharon Blackie, who is one of my favorites. I just read this book called Women Who Rose, Who Rise, If Women Rose Rooted in the Earth. And it's so beautiful, but she actually grew up in a city and really disconnected to nature. Now she is one of these incredible guides of really listening to place and listening to nature and stories within nature, within the animals, within place, within land and yeah, and the richness of that and how it informs us and forms our families and it informs how we live and grow and evolve. And for me, it really, yeah, it comes back to that, to nature, that at the end, when you're connected to something, when you know something, you kind of just want to protect it. You want to care for it. If you don't know something, like probably not really wanting to safeguard it that much, really. It's not that you don't care about anything else. It's just you you don't know it. Yeah, a lot of it is down to this awareness of what is natural is best and that your body has a natural knowing and an innate ability to heal. All of these things were really impressed upon me when I was young. And, you know, even to the extent where, like, again, weeds come into the soil for a reason. Like, they're coming in because the soil is lacking nitrogen or certain things that it's craving that these weeds are bringing in fast. So if you get a, you know, if you get sick or get a cold, it's something in your system is, like, needing a reboot. It's needing you to stop or it's needing the, you know, some would say viruses are like a genomic update. They are good for your body to have a stop, a moment to recalibrate and be like, what is needed in this moment? Can my body meet the needs of this moment? Can it self-heal? Can it reboot itself? And what kind of things from nature does it need to do that? So, oh yeah, all of these things just kind of felt like common sense to me, but I just don't see that many long-term solutions, unless it's like a broken leg, which I had a broken leg and a broken arm, and I was grateful for that system to help me with that and yeah but I I usually feel like the intelligence of nature and and learning having good kinesiologist or a good naturopath or is really more where I rest. Mm -hmm. So growing up with parents who kind of instilled this natural way of being into you was there a point where you rebelled, went the other way, started eating McDonald's and came back to it? Or was it always there? Oh, look, I had cigarettes when I was little. Not that little, but like when I was like maybe 15, 16, because my best friend smoked, I thought she was cool. But I actually always within that, I never lost my thread. And I probably like I'm talking about like probably for like 
a month or two months, we like smoked cigarettes, you know, like it was like that thing. And even like with smoking, I remember I was living in Kakadu when I was nine years old and there were kids at school who were exploring this and my sister was being challenged by it and her friends were asking her and she was only 11. Oh, 11. And they were all like going off and smoking and our mom, we had a family meeting and we sat in and dad said, hey, listen, if this is the time where, you know, Nina, you're going to start experimenting with this, we would prefer you do it with us around. And so you can see what it is and you can, we can talk about what it does to your body long term so that it's not charged. It's not some guilt trip if you run off and do something bad. There's nothing to rebel against because they've like already told us, you know, it's going to be up to you and you're going to be the one who's responsible for your health. And so I moved on for you really quickly from that little phase. But it's like my uncle is James Halliday and he's an incredible wine connoisseur and wine taster. And so we'd always have these incredible wines at dinner at Christmas. And and because of that, I never really like felt like I needed to go off and abuse it like crazy. So how old were you when your dad did that with your sister? She was 11. How old were you? I was nine. And it was more the sense that we could do it as a family, sit there, talk about it. And because I was like, oh my God, it's so bad. My sister's, you know, going smoking. She's going to get grounded. And like mum and dad had really strong boundaries. And I was like, wow, we're doing this little family meeting. And I, But I, I did feel like the bringing it into the open not shaming or guilting around it, but really putting the responsibility onto the awareness of it's your life, it's your body. And, you know, we want to support you here. So let's talk about why we don't really condone this. And you can try it with us because it's going to be safer. Yeah. I feel like all the parents listening are like, that's a maybe a good way to explore things. Like Nick has always done that with my stepson. So Nick's son, who is 18. And he has always said to him, you know, from like that 16, he's always said to him, if you want to try drugs or alcohol or anything, I want to be there with you. And so we can do it in this safe environment and I'm here. And so he has always felt like, okay, if I ever want to do that, my dad is there and he will do that with me. And it's interesting because he's never been interested in drugs but not really in binge drinking. I got into binge drinking. And purely when I reflect back on my experimentation when I was younger, it was to fit in. Yeah, yeah, of course. And that is the most important thing when you're a teen or like a young person in that time in your life, it's to belong. I had my auntie. She was that person for me. And I actually lived with her when I was 15 and 16 in Switzerland. And the gift of her, she was like a spiritual mum for me. And my mum is one of the most patient, beautiful people I know. Like she works with autistic children and she's just so beautiful. But yeah, there's a different thing. There's a different element that comes with being an auntie where you have a different kinds of intimacy or like, and it's okay. Like a mother doesn't have to always tick every single box. But my auntie was sort of a very big I felt very seen by her and very supported. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned this before, and I think it's really important to highlight is you had auntie and it's very important. I see this now with having my daughter and my stepson to have an older adult figure who is not your mom or your dad 
kind of like a mentor, whether that is an auntie or a godparent, that role is very important. And I see, you know, with my daughter, the other older women in her life, like she has the most beautiful nanny and she has some incredible aunties. It's so important that she has a connection with them and she feels loved by them and she gets to experience that and not just feel love from me and Nick, that she feels this love from other people and she has other people that she can trust and go to as she gets older. So I think all the parents listening, that is something to, you know, think about whether it is a godparent or an auntie. And we've got to be safe, of course, but having someone that they can just chat to or go to if there's something that's on their mind, it's really powerful. Yeah, who has tools or who has experiences that they can call on as a wisdom lineage or as someone who, yeah, can show up in that way. Because sometimes it is nicer to be able to talk about, you know, topics like sex, anything. Like the topics right now for how teens are learning about sex is really confronting. And I find, like, I I feel really, like, frozen up when I talk about it. it. It really fakes me out because of all the screens and the devices. And there can be a lot of information that kids are learning before they're ready, in a way, before their little psyches are ready to understand where that's from and how. So the introduction is important and the conversations around these things. The things that we most push away talking about, what we resist persists. So it's like anything that we're really resisting are usually the things we most need to talk about or the things that are most challenging to speak about. It's like, go through that threshold, face it and talk about it and say, oh, this is really difficult to talk about. I don't even know how to talk about it, but it's, or practice talking about it. But yeah, all these things are like so important. They're forming the template. They're forming a blueprint for the very first introduction and the feelings that are laid in into that first introduction for the rest of their lives. So Yeah, these conversations about things that are difficult to talk about are really important. And it's good to have resources and also good aunties and uncles who are there and willing to be there for that. And I find it a real honor to be a good, a godmother and to be an auntie for the little people. Mm -hmm. Me too. Me too. I love playing that role. It's really special, but you got to find the right people. And that's really important. So, We've spoken so much about the past and how you've grown up and gotten to where you are today. I want to talk about now and what's coming up for this year for you. You've just had your film come out. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about what you've got on the cards for this year. And also, Nick and I just completed a national tour with Wonderlust, which was absolutely incredible, such a truly divine experience. And you are appearing at the one in February. I want to hear about that. What can the audience expect from you? Talk to us about Lunacy, your film. Talk to us about this year. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really delighted to be invited to speak at Wanderlust. I've never been before, but I feel like they're my people. Oh, they are your people, babe. And also the fact that you spoke there is another testament. Like it's about expansion. It's people who want to grow and I find, yeah, I just find it really touching and moving to be there and to be invited. I have found it also challenging to be really fair and really honest, how to navigate speaking about topics that that felt very intrinsic and natural and true to my heart in an authentic way, 
So for those that aren't familiar with what you are talking about here, can you give us a little bit of a background? Yeah. Okay. So in 2020 and 2021, I was asking questions and speaking out about how I felt about health and about how we can look after our health. And I received a lot of backlash that was challenging for me to take and to be with and certainly cost me some jobs and some feeling really misunderstood and in how I was speaking, what I was talking about. Isn't that a shame that you just speaking your truth about something that felt true for you and this could be any topic and you're taken down, you know, and I know almost everyone listening can relate to that on some level, whether that's a family member taking them down over sharing something or a boss or a friend. We can all relate to speaking our truth and it not being received and feeling misunderstood. I think every single person can relate to that feeling of being misunderstood and from simply sharing what felt true for us. And, you know, it breaks my heart a little to think that there's times like that where we then go, oh, well, that's just easier to close down. It's just easier. Or it's just easier to not share. It's just easier. But the world needs us to speak our truth and to be our truth. And, you know, I think about my daughter. I think about her all the time. And like every time I go, oh, it's just easier. Don't say it. Don't be controversial, Melissa. I think about her and I'm like, would I want her to suppress her truth ever? And the answer is no. I don't ever want her to suppress her truth. And so in order for her not to do that, I have to be the role model and go forward and do that. So like, well done for speaking your truth, whatever it even was. Like, it doesn't even matter. But like, you were brave enough to go, hey, this is what is on my heart. And some people didn't receive it. And that's part of the journey. But you were brave enough to share that. And I think we need to remember that when people do speak their truth, they are being very vulnerable and they are being brave and don't cut people down. We need to be more kind. We truly need to be more kind. And, you know, something that I always do is I literally visualize myself in that person's shoes and I go, what are their fears right now? What are they moving through? Because we've all got stuff, you know? So I just want to acknowledge you for being brave. You were brave. And you listened to your heart and you shared, and I'm sure you got a ton of lessons out of it. Yeah. And it really was about standing for diversity as well in the sense of that principle of one size doesn't always fit all. And to remember that of like, do what's right for you, but what's right for you is not necessarily right for me. And as soon as we're feeling coerced into something, one way or another, we just need to label it as bullying because being pushed into something that you're not cool with and you're not consenting to and not feeling like you have the ability to say no. I mean, what society is that? What I don't want to live in that reality and I'd rather be more uncomfortable by speaking up and saying that's not okay. And yeah, it's one of the stories I want to share at Wonderlust. Again, I was in Kakadu. It's this really beautiful life-forming story and 
I was nine years old and I was with my sister and we were at the public pool and there was this kid there, the boy who, who I guess was grappling with big family topics at home, who was a bit of a bully at school. And he had found a huge, beautiful green tree frog and was playing with it in the pool in a really rough way. And he was kind of torturing it and trying to drown it and holding it down. There was all these kids who were watching. And me and my sister were there and we were so little, like little tiny nine-year-olds. And I was like a little, I looked like six when I was nine. And I was so like, watching this little frog, I was so upset. And I just was like, he ended up drowning it. And it was this beautiful, big green smiling tree frog. And all these kids were laughing and sort of just going along with it. And me and my sister, we both didn't say anything. And we went home and I remember looking at my sister. She was sitting on her bed and she was crying and really emotional and crying. And she just felt so bad. I wasn't crying. I was just watching her. And I realized like, this is that moment. This is the moment where it's impacted so much of my life, where I've been like, I'll never not say anything again. If it's not fair or I don't agree to it, I don't consent to it. And then I feel bad after. I don't want to have that experience again. And sure, I was only so little and it was something very different. But in that moment, it did resonate with me. And I'm like, you've got to be allowed to say no. And if that means being getting death threats, being hated by high school best friends, being called all these things that you that you know you're not, <laughs> then so be it. It's okay. It's important to my conscience and to my heart. And I hope that I always live by that. And I hope that it can inspire other people to just rest in that. And so, yeah, I, there's so many beautiful topics that we can unpack. And obviously, they are about listening to your truth. It's about living an aligned life, living in alignment with your values and actually unpacking what your values are. Because you might think that, you know, discipline or obedience is a really high value. But then in the last moment, you suddenly realize respect is, or courage are higher values. And so they negate the other one and you end up being like, oh, maybe it's obedience to my own heart. It is more important than obedience to authority or whatever it is. Like it, it, pressure helps us clarify experiential, you know, times, what our values are. So that's another topic I'd love to speak to. And there are so many other speakers there who I am really looking forward to hearing from and yeah there's really beautiful venues we're going to be at the Enmore Theatre in Sydney and Her Majesty's Theatre and I think it's Adelaide or Perth we're all over so it's I'm really looking forward so it's in mid-February and yeah there's four beautiful engagements and we hope to see you there I really hope to see you guys there mm. Mm. It is a place if you want to find your people and it's such a beautiful experience and I'm so excited for people to get your wisdom and soak up your beautiful, incredible energy and your essence that I felt when I first came across you. And I just want to remind people to be brave like you are. You know, you speak your truth and you bravely speak your truth. And on top of that, be kind. Like we are all entitled to share our truth and we can all be more kind and accepting of each other. So thank you for that beautiful reminder and that story is so beautiful. I had tears as you were sharing that because I can relate to that story in so many different periods of my life. And I know so many 
people listening can relate to that story too of sitting back and not saying something when we wanted to, when it was really true for us and we stayed back and we held back because of fear of what are they going to think or what are they going to do or how are they going to react. And every time we close off our throat chakra and we suppress that is doing internal repression to us and we will explode like a volcano the more and more we do that so thank you for that beautiful reminder to speak our truth bravely and boldly this has been so beautiful i have absolutely loved this conversation I really, truly want to speak with you for another four hours. I really do. I just want to stay here and keep chatting with you. But everyone can come and soak up your wisdom at Wonderlust. Is there any last parting words of wisdom that you would like to share with us? Oh, thank you. Maybe I can just share about my film because you did ask about that. So there's this beautiful film called Lunacy and we shot it in Cape Tribulation. and. Yeah, up in the Daintree rainforest. It was such an incredible experience. We were actually living in the house where we were filming, where it was set. And it was in the wild of the rainforest. And it's very much about man's disconnection with nature. With It's a very much about an evolution of like where the snapshot of where society is potentially at right now. It's very art house. <laughs> it's obscure. It's a really strange film, but it was such an amazing experience and it's come out like I, I love art house films and I love I loved this theme because it was very avant-garde and we weren't expecting it came through it was it was not really scripted either so it was a really amazing journey and I was co-producing it as well which was something new for me and it's something I'm exploring is is producing there's two other projects I'm producing at the moment and that's been really fun yeah, to delve back into all the creative sides and being deliberate about the stories that I do want to tell. And yeah, that's me, work wise. We'll link to Lunacy in the show notes and Wonderlust for people to grab their tickets. This has been such a delight. You are a delight and I am so grateful. And you are always welcome back on the show to dive even deeper. So come back anytime, my love. But thank you for being you, for sharing so openly and honestly today and all the magic that you put out into the world. We are so grateful. Oh, it's so mutual, honestly. Thank you so much, Mel. Just adore you. Right back at you, babe. I hope you loved today's conversation and got a lot out of it. And if you did, please subscribe to the show and leave me a review wherever you listen to your podcasts because that means that we can inspire and educate other people together and also means that all of my episodes will just pop up in your feed so that you don't have to go searching for a new episode. Now, come and tell me on Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini what you got from this episode. I absolutely love connecting with you and hearing from you. Now, before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best, the healthiest and the happiest version of yourself and for showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please share it with them right now. You can take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them, do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. <laughs>